0: Brought to you by FruitNet Media. This is FruitBox. Hello, welcome to FruitBox, FruitNet's series of conversations about the fresh fruit and vegetable business with me, Chris White. Every week I talk down the line from here in London with people from across the world of fresh produce about some of the biggest issues they face today. My aim is that these 15-minute conversations, which we now broadcast once a week, every Wednesday, give you the best insight into how to do better business in fresh fruits and vegetables. Now, in last week's episode of Fruit Box, I talked with Xenia Gorovaya from Crisp Consulting in St. Petersburg and heard how Russia has become much more self-sufficient in fresh fruits and vegetables in the wake of its ban on imports that was imposed in August 2014, six years ago. Xenio also talked during that conversation about Russia increasing its reliance on its former republics in, in Central Asia. And it's to these countries that I'd like to turn today to talk about what's happening in places like Kazakhstan, Tajikistan, Turkmenistan, Kyrgyzstan, Uzbekistan, and of course, Azerbaijan. Now, go and find them on the map and you'll see that they're huge places in that part of the world that bridges Europe and Asia. And who better to talk about these countries with me than someone who knows them inside and out. I'm delighted to be joined on Fruitbox today by Andri Yarmak, who works as the economist at the Investment Center of the United Nations Food and Agriculture Organization in Rome, from where he joins me today. Andri, welcome to Fruitbox.
1: Thank you, Chris. Uh, thanks for inviting me.
0: Now, uh, Andri, these countries that I've just mentioned, why, why are they important for our sector? Uh, And which ones should we keep an eye on, in particular, in your opinion?
1: They're important because they're uh, among the top uh, global players already. And many people don't realize it. And, of course, of these countries, Uzbekistan stands out. And uh, it's already, like, uh, among the largest producers of many, many different types of uh, fruits uh, and even vegetables. Uh, just to give you an example, it's the second-largest uh, exporter of raisins in the world, second-largest exporter of dried apricots in the world, and actually third-largest global fresh apricot exporter, and also 5th it's eighths, uh, ninth, tenths exporter of fresh grapes, walnuts, plums, peaches, persimmons, uh, sweet cherries, and, uh, you know, the, the quality of products the taste of the products grown in uzbekistan but also in tajikistan kyrgyzstan in these countries um, in the region is just uh, amazing uh, they get uh, uh, they have a very unique climate it's very dry a lot of sunny days uh, and and it's really hot in the summer uh, no rains and it's also pretty cold in the winter in some parts of these countries so the climate is unique. Uh, I would compare for example Uzbekistan with Chile in some ways. It's also fairly remote, uh, uh, far from consumers but could reach consumers with a variety of products and they're just starting up although they're already among the top exporters in the world of many products.
0: Mm. And, and in Uzbekistan there are some pretty important changes happening, there's a new government that's in place um, and this new direction by the Uzbek government is attracting a lot of foreign investment. Is this is this also what makes Uzbekistan kind of much more interesting today for fresh fruits and vegetables?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Even before the changes in the government, there were a lot of foreigners trying to invest into uh, fruit and vegetable production or exports in Uzbekistan. Although it was very, very difficult to do. Mm. Now now it was uh, simplified, uh, you know, currency exchange and economic uh, aspects of doing business, uh, we see a lot of companies going to Uzbekistan, but not only Uzbekistan, other countries are also making changes. Uh, I'd say that Kazakhstan is already attracting a lot of investments in, in the horticulture sector. and uh, specifically the southern Kazakhstan which is close to Uzbekistan, for example, uh, labor force. Uh, because besides unique climate these countries have very uh, good uh, labor force it's uh, you know people there are very hard workers and they're they're uh, you know they know how to grow fruits and vegetables mm. and uh, they're adopting to new technologies very quickly
0: mm. and and am i right in thinking that much of the as it were the direction of travel of of what they're producing for export is principally Russia still, or is it more, uh, are there other markets involved these days?
1: Well, I'm pretty sure that in the UK, you probably tried some Uzbek products already without realizing it because um, for example, Uzbekistan is uh, shipping a lot of raisins to the UK, about 500 tons per year, which is significant. Uh, It's already one of the top exporters of raisins to Germany it's shipping uh, more and more uh, melons and watermelons to uh, the European Union countries, although it's, it's far away, but um, these products are very special. They have very special taste. When, when they uh, also develop freezing, it will be, you know, also pretty big. I think uh, they'll, they'll export a lot of frozen products. At the moment, it's mostly dried uh, fruits, but they're also trying, like Germany, for example, bought, some volumes of uh, table grapes uh, fresh table grapes and persimmons from from these countries Uh, uk is uh, importing small volumes air freight sweet cherries from uzbekistan so it's getting there Uh, but yes russia is still a number one market for most of the products Uh, but china is uh, actively enabling sourcing from these countries most of these countries uh, have access to Chinese markets and while, for example, Ukraine is negotiating for several years to uh, enter the Chinese market of blueberries or, or sweet cherries, uh, for Uzbekistan, Tajikistan and other countries, uh, you know, China just grants access. So it's much easier and I think China is looking at it as a source of uh, uh, good quality and uh, reasonable price fresh produce.
0: Mm -hmm. I'd I'd like to come on to the 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 issue of China in a moment but uh, coming back to uh, what you were telling us about a moment ago about the you know the excellent conditions you have for growing fruits and vegetables there you said the the right climate uh, abundant fertile land easy access to fresh water it all sounds kind of almost too perfect and what what crops are being earmarked for export development in particular Um, uh, and when I when I look at fresh rather than uh, rather than dried
1: yeah. Okay. I, I should note that uh, easy access to the fresh water. <laughs> it, 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 it's it, its not there, you know, you, uh, okay. you do have access. There are a lot of irrigated areas,
0: but it's not easy.
1: Yeah. Well, and yeah, and it's the limiting factor. Mm. Also, also um, talking about uh, crops, uh, the stone fruit is definitely an, a number one category and all kinds of stone fruits, you know, peaches, apricots, cherries, uh, you name them, plums, also big, big uh, crop. Uh, lately, we've been advising these countries to increase production of nuts because they have perfect condition for growing all kinds of nuts, including uh, pistachios and, and uh, mm, almonds and uh, walnuts. So they're, they're now expanding very rapidly in, in these categories. They have uh, excellent quality melons and and watermelons and and they actually have their own uh, breeding programs in melons Uh, they're unique in taste Uh, they may not be familiar for the taste of the european consumers but they're super sweet and i'm sure european consumers would love them Mm
0: I, I'm a big fan of apricots and I can't wait to taste an um, Uzbek apricot because I hear they're absolutely fantastic. Um, you, you mentioned the, uh, as it were, the the similarity to Chile in some ways. But of course, we're talking here about a, a northern hemisphere producer um, and the seasons then we're talking about a really, uh, well, the, the season, the, the, the winter season is now starting, I imagine, for September through till uh, the autumn. And then the main stone fruit growing is going to be then from, you know, April, May through the summer. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. Uh, actually, just to give you an example, uh, they, they start harvesting apple, apple of the new crop of apple in at the end of April. Of course, it's, uh, it's the earliest varieties, yeah. but, but uh, uh, they start exporting apples to Russia in June. Is that a fact? And, and, yeah. And uh, very significant volumes. So, with some improvement in, of technologies, they could be exporting significant volumes of stone fruits uh, probably in April already. Mm-hmm. And this could include some protected production of sweet cherries. They're super sweet. They could be, you know, good size. And, uh, you know, the bricks of these products there is, is, is very high. So, I think, uh, you know, they can do a lot of off season products. For example, we are trying to introduce them to things like soft fruits they haven't grown much uh, besides strawberries in the past mostly because you know it was very difficult to get them to the market but now i'm you know looking at their interest in blueberries and it's huge and imagine the cost of blueberries are you know it's 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 an expensive berry and they can air freight it anywhere in the world, because air freight from Uzbekistan is one dollar a kilo anywhere.
0: Mm.
1: So no, no, the, that, the, that would be <laughs> fantastic.
0: You mentioned uh, this issue of logistics and their geography of these countries places them, literally as I said at the start, between Europe and Asia in in, um, in, in that very, very interesting part of the world that was uh, uh you know was part of the silk road going back many hundreds of years um and and the, the the critical it seems to me the critical one of the critical points for future success is going to be this efficiency of logistics and so this reopening of the silk road and the the huge investments that the chinese government is making in logistics and infrastructure this so-called one, one belt one road initiative that, that's very crucial to the future of these countries isn't it
1: yeah, I think so. But I don't know if um, you know road logistics could really compete with the water logistics. The reason Silk Road died <laughs> was because they discovered the, the waterways. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it still is a big problem for, for, for those countries. Uzbekistan is one of only two double-landlocked countries in the world, so, mm-hmm. and uh, you can't uh, move the country. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But uh, I think uh, the increased uh, shelf life of products uh, due to technologies will, will make it easier. And also, I believe that air freight shipments uh, could also become more economical in the future, mm-hmm. uh, with, uh, with the relatively inexpensive labor force in Uzbekistan and was a lot of opportunities in diversifying their production. I mean, they could be really making a lot of money on fresh produce because many years ago, we've uh, convinced the government to move away from cotton, uh, showing them opportunities in the fresh produce sector, and they did. And now uh, people are looking into things they don't know, like blueberries. I said, nobody knows what the blueberries are, mm-hmm. at least nobody knew, but now it's a must. Uh, to have blueberries on uh, on wedding table in, in uzbekistan if you want to demonstrate really? your wealth yes uh-huh. and 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 people pay for blueberries in uzbekistan 40 dollars a kilo you know <laughs> because it's a prestigious berry so and imagine they can grow herbs in the open ground year round in the south of uzbekistan mm-hmm. so the cost of production could be like in around So a lot of opportunities. Yeah. Yes,
0: absolutely. Uh, you, you mentioned a moment ago about the kind of products that uh, we find on our on our supermarket shelves in, uh, and, and we do currently without really knowing about it. Um, you live in Rome uh, where you work for the FAO, but originally, Andrei, you're from Ukraine and uh, you've had a role in, in setting up agencies there such as Fruit Inform and, and East Fruit in, in terms of advising people about the opportunities in, in your country. And there's a lot happening there when it comes to fresh fruits and vegetables and blueberries I think and other berries are one area of growth and, and apples are, are another area. Um, so what impact is is Ukraine to talk about your country now specifically having on the European market? Um, somebody told me recently that uh, there's going to be more interest in Ukraine because of Brexit for example that uh, British importers will want to import directly from a country that they can have as it were a free trading relationship with where there may be uh, that, that that may not exist with with the European Union uh, in 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 the near future. Do you see it that way?
1: I don't know what will happen after the Brexit. No, <laughs> none know. of us do, <laughs> <laughs> right? But uh, we definitely, uh, you know, being Ukrainian, I'd say that we definitely hope that the free market access will be maintained. Yeah. Uh, in in Ukraine, yes, um, the the production of soft root is still. Uh, probably a number one priority. But uh, if you look at the area devoted to different uh, perennial crops, I would say that uh, walnuts, uh, hazelnuts, and even almonds are expanding even faster than than the berries. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's exactly two main export items of Ukraine. Frozen berries, uh, walnuts, and... uh, also fresh berries, uh, apples come soon mm-hmm. uh, and uh, apple extension has slowed down a little bit. Uh, but the market has been pretty good because of the weather conditions in Europe. So I think it's going to uh, uh, accelerate again.
0: That's mm. ah, fascinating stuff. Andriy, that's all we've got time for today on Fruitbox. I was joined down the line from Rome by Andriy Yaramak of the FAO. It's great to talk to you again, Andre. Thanks so much for coming on the programme.
1: Thank you, and uh, have a nice season.
0: Thank you. Now, you can find today's conversation with Andri and the many others I'm having here at Fruitbox on our website, fruitnet.com. I can't believe that we're in the first week of September already. Autumn is on its way here in the Northern Hemisphere, and spring is just around the corner for our many listeners down in the Southern Hemisphere, you lucky lot. Anyway, we've got more great guests coming on the programme in the next few weeks, so do keep listening in. Oh, and if you've got any ideas of what you'd like me to talk about on Fruitbox, or even if you'd like to feature in a future episode, then do get in touch. My email is chris at fruitnet.com. Fruitbox is now on all the major podcast platforms, and we're getting loads of listens every week. Look out for us, too, on LinkedIn, where I'm posting every episode every week and getting loads of likes, comments, and shares, too. And I'm pleased to say that we've even had our first sponsored episodes of Fruitbox. So if you'd like to get your name out there to all our listeners by becoming a supporter of Fruitbox, then do also get in touch. That was Fruitbox, and this is Chris White. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. To sponsor a future episode, please email advertising at fruitnet.com you can follow us on twitter at fruitnet live and don't forget you can keep up to date with all the latest fresh produce industry news at fruitnet.com